All right, welcome to this uh, CMC podcast uh, entitled "Are Bolins Safe Enough for Rope Rescue?" So they are. Uh, I don't know. Are Bolins are Bolins uh, safe enough for rope rescue? Pre uh, pre talk of this show with uh, Leroy, we got his opinion. Uh, Leroy, what is <laughs> what are your thoughts? Are Bolins safe enough for rope rescue? I think that. Um, if you're asking my, if, if the question you're referencing or the question you're asking me is, do they work? The answer is yes. Then uh, that's, that's where I'm going to leave my answer. <laughs> come on, come on. You can expound a little bit. Uh, uh, I, are they- I do. I'll be honest with you. I have some reservations only from the standpoint that I have seen them tied incorrectly okay. more often than they have been tied correctly. Um, where, and this kind of references back to your study that you had done for eiders, yeah. um, you know, the boutique Bolins thing, um, where it's not all that hard to tie the thing wrong. Yeah, yeah. And wind up with something that you think is going to hold. And in training with a an unnamed organization, um, made things, let's just refer to the it was a good thing that the belay guy was not asleep at the switch and it was early in the day. It, All right. Yeah. Kind of catch my drift. <clears throat> now I'm picking up what you're putting down. We talked about that last podcast too. Where do you put the best guy on the scene? Uh, you know, on the belay. Yeah. Yep. Um, maybe should have been tying knots too, but all right, we'll, we'll circle <laughs> back around to that. Uh, Wayne, what, what is your thoughts? Uh, are Bolin's uh, safe enough for rope rescue? Yeah, I think they are. Um, I, yeah, I took Reed's class over 20 years ago. Obviously that's what, that's what he does. Um, I never w- once felt unsafe. I mean, I've been doing some math with this stuff, even your math, Kelly. And remember that your math was done on T-rated rope. Yeah, not totally. Like a, not like a G11, right? So yep. the results would be different. So yeah, yeah, mathematically, I think they're fine. Um, do I think there are better choices? Yeah, I do. But I, if I, if, I were, if you were to hang me on one right now, I would have zero reservations about it. All right, fair enough. Uh We'll go around the table. John, what do you think? Are Bolins safe enough for rope rescue? Um, they are, but kind of the same thing that Wayne said. I first learned on those. I can remember the training officer saying that the Bolin was the king of all knots. Yeah. Uh, learned him before that in the Boy Scouts um, with stupid tricks like, uh, you know, have your arms broken and you need to tie a loop around you. And a Bolin, you can pretty well tie with one hand. And I'm not sure you can with a figure eight and a bite and stuff. So, yeah, I think that they're safe, but I think that there's better options, both um, easier to recognize that they're tied correctly, easier to make sure that they're um, easy, well, easier to tie correctly or, or easier to recognize kind of the same thing, and that are actually stronger options, you know. And then the, f- the final reason, and the reason why we went away from them, because we originally were using Bolins at CMC, yep. was... Um, just the the need for a safety knot. And obviously if you were using a long tail, it's never going to come through, but that, that additional requirement um, tended to slow everything down where the knot itself might be faster, Uh, but having to tie the safety knot slowed it down. So yeah, is it safe? Yeah. Is it the best choice? No, I don't think so. But one real advantage I'm sure somebody will say it is, is if they get all loaded up, they're sure easier to untie. Yeah, definitely. Uh, My take, are bowling safe enough for rope rescue? Uh, is yes uh like i would tie my shoes with a bowling if i could figure out how but uh i haven't figured that one out so if anybody's got an answer uh i would love to know how uh so what so what makes a rescue not a good knot i'm i you know thinking back to my uh, you know the fire one kind of time or you know even boy scouts 
you know, easy to tie, easy to remember, uh, hard to get wrong in the cold or the dark, easy to untie after loading, which, uh, you know, the eight admittedly does not and secure and strong. So I, I think the, I don't know that the eight, uh, meets all of those requirements, except easy to untie after well, extreme load. I think you, you, you missed one thing too. That's easy to recognize. You know what? You're right. I did. I got, yeah. Easy to recognize. I think it's a big one, right? There has to be people that say, can look at something and say, yeah, that's right. Now, yeah. would you see the same thing with a figure eight, right? I mean, sure. figure nine at first glance, if you're not paying attention, it can look yeah. pretty similar. T- right? Totally. If you I get an eight in a class where a guy has had an overhand, right? And you so, go, hey, hang on a second. Something doesn't look right, look right there. So it's not exclusive to Bowens, obviously. Yeah, no. No, but if if you mess up, uh, if you screw up tying an eight, you're either going to end up with an overhand or a figure nine, which right. e- either of those are like, uh, I think probably also adequate as a, uh, a rope rescue knot. I think the overhand on a bite we don't use just because it's like deadly to untie after it's been loaded. Is that, I mean, is that the general uh, thought on that? I think it's stronger than an eight. I, like it's been a while since I've looked at the numbers, but I thought an overhand on a bite was stronger than an eight. But you just, like you just couldn't untie it after even loading it with you know your body weight or something. That that would make sense. It's not. I can't our, remember and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's yeah, definitely I, harder I to untie. I have our list, and it's not on our list. But you yeah. were probably right, Kelly. Definitely harder to untie. Yeah. So I I guess it's really a balancing act of uh what you want in a good rescue knot. And I remember a you know long time ago, uh, some salty old guy said, "All right, look, kid, you know, uh, firemen tie eights, uh, rescue men they tie bowlins." that kind of stuck with me um did you tell him he was wrong i didn't know any better at the time but but uh i'd agree with him more than ever now but no i I think guys who are nerdy for rope uh stuff are are comfortable with the bowling and uh with its limitations and and being able to tie it properly um but you know i i think it's a fine rescue knot and actually uh where i work we use a double long tail bowling for tying in at the end of the rope for you know, everything we do, Stokes basket, pickoff, single rescue or lower, you name it. So I started, you know, bringing all of the, uh, the anchor side bowlins to the table and they told me to, you know, uh, go pound sand cause bowlins were unsafe. Uh, and I, I had to highlight that it was the same piece of rope we're talking about here. Like on one end, we're hanging two people on a bowlin. That's fine. On the other end uh, the, of the same piece of rope, we're tying a bowlin and, and that that's not fine. And I, they uh, they didn't like that logic very much, and I had to wait, you know, ten years to ride them out till we we were able to play with bowlins again. But but the but there we are. Uh, so aside from the the mistying thing, you know, one of the things I thought interesting uh, was that the Wayne and Leroy, you guys mentioned the the Eiders thing. I did a presentation at twenty nineteen Eiders uh, called Boutique Bowlins. I forget where twenty that where twenty nineteen was at, but. Uh, was it? Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, heck yeah. Um, it was interesting. There was very little testing, strength-wise, done on anything other than like a standard bowlin, uh, which I thought was uh, pretty unique. It's is that why is that? Like, why is that? Just I mean, CMC hasn't done any crazy bowlin testing, have we? Well, we've we've done some. Cedric did some on. Um, yeah, and I think it came back to the question that had come up. I think it was at an instructor meeting, but I know for sure it came up in a class with right. the um, um, 
bowling on a coil or Portuguese bowling or whatever you want to call it this week. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and using that as an anchor point or using it um, like we use it in the uh, on the litter, right? Sure. For vertical litter work. <clears throat> and <clears throat> the question that come up, how strong is this thing actually? Right. And, and a lot of it, we all know, comes down to D to D ratio, you know, diameter of the rope to sure. diameter of the object. So yep, yep. Cedric did some Cedric did some testing, um, and I think he did it as a three sigma test, if I remember correctly. So five samples, um, right. and the bollard size. John, do you remember the size of the smallest bollard we have at the shop? Um, inch and a half. And so that's what he did it on. Now to get a no, I take it back. Get, um, I thought we had one smaller than that. I think there might be one uh, a one inch. I know when we did the testing on uh, efficiencies on things with diameters, we had inch and a half. But I think there is a one inch solid bar bollard as well. Yeah, which I think got us as close as we could get to the rails on a litter. Right, you know, the, the structural the structural yeah. rails. Sure. I mean, and they came up. They're they're ridiculously strong. You yeah. know, as that Portuguese bowling or you know bowling uh, on a coil sixty four hundred. Seems to stick in my mind. So I had way different results when I tested the Portuguese bowling, and it was around like shackles. I they were just the, I don't even know what they are. You know, four ton working load shackles or something, three quarter inch shackles. Uh, man, it slipped to two thousand pounds every single time. The the knot would slip towards whatever side did not have the tail coming out of it. And then it eventually collapsed onto that anchor. For me, the way I tied it would be the right side anchor if you're looking down at it. Mm -hmm. uh, it collapsed to that. And then f I forget what it failed at. Like, uh, I think me, I ran out of stroke on the machine I was using. It was a pretty big machine, too, just because of rope stretch. But man, well, was he, was he doing, were, were, did you have a safety knot tied in it? Nope. No. Okay. But it, yeah. it, would, it would have been, it wouldn't have mattered. Um, the, yeah. the, the portion that slipped was one of the inside legs. And I'll oh, have, okay. Okay. uh, now I'd have to go back and look at my video and see, but it was really, man, it really opened my eyes to, 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 to that. And, uh, so I had, uh, Mike Forbes, who was on uh, the podcast earlier, a couple episodes ago, he also helped me with that test and he did some stuff in eight mil cordage and, you know, he, for my Eider's presentation and, uh, he called me one day. He's like, Hey dude, like, I got something funny to show you. Tell me if, if you're seeing this too. So it was just very odd to me that, that for me, the Portuguese bowling and both the 11 mil HTP uh, that we were using uh, as well as the eight mil uh, Aztec, Sterling Aztec cordage, it always slid towards whatever anchor did not have the tail or whatever side of the knot did not have the tail coming out of it, which was mind blowing to me. I, I would love to do some more tests. So um, I don't know, maybe the instructor meeting coming up, huh? The, if they let us in the building, if they let us in. Oh, that's right. All right. Well, we got a couple pickup trucks and uh, pull like hell. I don't know. So, uh, that works for riders. Yeah, I mean it's, it's, uh, it's backyard been done before. For, backyard first look testing. Isn't that what everybody always says? Um, so, well, this 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 in particular individual did some very. <clears throat> it was interesting. We'll just yeah. I'll I'll dig through my paperwork and see if I can find it for you. It's good humor reading. The, uh. That'd be interesting because when I look for any testing done on anything other than just the regular old bowling, the, what everybody calls a standard bowling, that, that, that I could find nothing. So uh, there's no, there was no published data out there, uh, minimum break strength wise. Um, it, it, 
I guess just to define, what do you got in there? What are you drinking there, Leroy? Anything uh, adult? No, it's water. Oh. Oh, I was teaching class, so this is water. In, you know. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, boring. So the, uh, the, the uh, I mean, it's no uh, cherry funnel cake sour, but uh, we'll forget yeah. So the, uh, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> so the, you know, to define a, a bowling uh, a little bit further, there, there is a paper that a fellow out of Australia put out. His name is Mark Gommers, G-O-M-M-E-R-S. Mm -hmm. And the paper is called Analysis of Bolins. And it is a 77-page paper on Bolins. And it defines Bolins, uh, interestingly. And I, I used his paper. I referenced it in my Eider's presentation um, and gave him credit for it. Uh, Bolins have a fixed eye loop. Uh, they have a nipping loop, like the little round turn you see, and then like a collar around the standing part, and usually a parallel bend, parallel strands of rope going into the nipping turn. Um, and the the International Guild of Knot Tires, which they're not even rescue people, they're just knot nerds. Uh, Igkt.dent, if you're ever really you know looking for bowling in depth, uh, they I think they have a hundred and I mentioned in the paper, 150 names for like 87 different Bolins or something like all of those Bolins have some three things in common. It's that fixed eye loop, the uh, the nipping turn and the the parallel bands going through the nipping turn and the collar. So what was interesting, though, was his paper mentioned that the Gommers paper mentioned that minimum breaking strength is not really a great metric for knots and that. Uh, Security and stability were the like should be the uh, ideal features of a of a good knot. But in all those seventy seven pages, he never defined it. So, like, what would I mean? You guys know about the testing side of things more than I do. Is there a test for cyclic loading? Is there a standard cyclic loading test? Because I did cyclic loading tests, and they were t totally inconclusive. Not, not a single tail creeped through, but. Is there a standard test for knots for cyclic loading? John, you're the standards guy. Do you know of one? Not that I could recall, no. Huh. Wayne or Leroy? No. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I, I mean, other than referencing testing methodology that's been done in the past. Sure. And I think that that was, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but that water knot testing, wasn't that just an arbitrary 250-pound number that he came up with? Uh, when... Um when Tom Moyer, Moyer did when this? Tom Moyer did the testing, yeah. yeah, he just came up with a, a round number. That was before the uh, ASTM standard masses, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah, would and been. and instead of going with two hundred and twenty or a hundred kilos, um, why he picked two fifty, I don't know, but it may have been that was easy for his test machine or something like that. I have no idea, but yeah. um, you know, if you figure. You know, a guy wearing a pack or something like that, although most people aren't ascending ropes with big, heavy packs, but sure, you know, I, I think it was pretty arbitrary. Yeah, some of us are larger than the average pair, but uh, the, yeah. uh, you know, when I did my, when I did my cyclic loading, <laughs> I, uh, I pulled all the bowlins that I tested, uh, you know, I tested a bunch to failure, but you know, I cyclic loaded them, uh, 250 pounds, 10 times, 500, 1,000, and 2,000 pounds each of those 10 times on the same knot. And if you just uh, 
like hand tightened the knot, like tied the knot, you know, pulled it snug and then went ahead and did a cyclic load test. And it was a pretty fast test. It, it did not meet any slow pull standards. I did it with an Amcus Ram, uh, you know, hydraulic, uh, you know, car cutting Ram, uh, nothing happened. Like there was no slippage. There was no nothing. I think what the, you know, security and stability point is more, maybe more for climbers, you know, like where they, they don't load it at all and are climbing around all day. So uh, I definitely think a a climbing knot is different than a rope rescue knot is. Would you guys agree or disagree on that? Definitely. Cause like, like you said, if a climber uses it on their harness, um, one, they're tying lots of times through the harness and not connecting, you know, using a carabine or anything. Sure. But it's it's not loaded. And the other thing is it's getting bounced around a lot. Yeah. It's rubbing, you know, because it's on their belly. It might be rubbing against their face or something like that. And I, I think that was one reason why they kind of always went to a figure eight. But Yeah, I mean, I, I probably would too if I was never going to load it. Uh, I, I think I'm, I might be inclined to that as well. But uh, well, we- now, I will tell you this anecdotally, because I've only had it happen once. Um, and it was in a, a class I was doing at, um, it was an industrial contract class. And they used a bowline on a coil on the, the belay line, um, like we would normally do, right? So we're, sure. we're do, they, they have a vertical litter rig, so that's what we were using. And then they did a bowline on a coil at the head of the litter yeah. um, for their belay line. And I reminded him, I said, just make sure, you know, safety knots, all that kind of stuff. You know, you put a safety knot in and he did not put a safety knot in and they were lowering and the belay line um, actually wound up lowering slower than the main line. Okay. So they were running twin tension, but not, they weren't ideally twin loaded, if you will. Um, and by the time the litter got down, you know, thankfully it was only like, you know, 20 or 25 feet because they were hanging on the belay line. Um, and he did hand tension it just like you did in the test. Sure. Um, and the tail thankfully was long enough, but he wound up loading the tail and the litter hanging on the belay line kind of wonky crossways. Sure. Yeah. As the tail and thankfully he had it connected into the guy's harness, you know, so you control the tail or safety knot, right? Yeah, sure. Um, but the the litter actually wound up hanging at an angle on the belay line. Really? Yeah. And so, and it was tied right because the first thing I did is run down the steps and go yeah, right, and check. Course, it's yeah. like, okay, stop right here. I mean, I wasn't worried about the guy falling or anything. Yeah. Because yeah. you know the main line was on the hor- or on the vertical litter bridle. Sure. But I kind of looked at it and I'm like, all right, so what what just happened? And right. not having the ability to be able to go. You know, nobody's there shooting video, sure. unfortunately, so we could actually yes. see everything that happened. Right. Um, it was a definite eye opener. They they have since obviously remembered the safety knot every day since then. Um, yeah, right. Sure. Yeah. No doubt. So, the, uh, yeah, that that was interesting. Like I would always, I always do. I rig a lot with Bolins. I always do put a safety knot on there, despite knowing that the. Uh, you know, even if it was hand tight, it's it for me. I, I never saw it slip, but uh, like I can def, especially with that bowling on a coil, man. Like I, I, I raise an eyebrow when I see that thing now. Um, only because of the testing I've done, I would like to do more. That would be pretty, uh, pretty interesting uh, to do that. But yeah, I'm definitely a, a safety guy, and usually I default to the Yosemite safety. Um, 
and most of the time with a bite too, because I can clip stuff in there to you know flex my rigging geek muscle. Um, so interestingly, when I was doing my tests, like I I don't even have the list of what I tested. But the you know I did a lot of anchor bowlins, which CMC doesn't teach. I learned it from the ropes at rescue crew. Uh, but again, I never saw any numbers on it until I you know, did it myself. But the bowling with a bite in Yosemite, so you've got a loop around an object, and then you've got a forward-facing bite, like you do the Yosemite with, you know, a fat rabbit gets stuck, you know, instead of the rabbit coming up out of the hole, it's a fat rabbit, and you do the Yosemite with that. So you've got a loop around the object, your anchor, and then a forward-facing bite that you can, you know, anchor off to. Uh, those knots, I did, I think I did three variations of that when I tested. All of them tested, you know, break strength-wise were higher breaking strength than the unknotted breaking strength of the rope. So I was using uh, 7,000 pound-ish uh, Sterling HTP that the Matt Hunt at Sterling uh, gave me for this test. And like I was getting 9,000 pound numbers when I, I did a triple bowl. And so, you know, two loops around the anchor. Uh, I, I was like in 11,000 pound range with 7,000 pound rope. It was I mean, it, it makes sense. Like you're loading two strands going into the knot instead of one. You got a couple more strands around the anchor. But what was really most interesting to me was that uh, I don't think it's a bowling anymore, right? So if you define if a bowling is defined, and, and I don't know who has to agree or not, but you know, as a fixed loop, a nipping turn, and then that collar. When you load that forward bite, you're you're not loading the nipping turn anymore. It's the same reason a sheet bend or a Beckett bend and a bowling are not the same. But I, I think it stops being a bowling at that point. It looks like one, but you're loading it differently. Has anybody uh, put that thought into it or just don't give a flying hoot? <laughs> well, no, but I haven't, put, I haven't I thought haven't about it that much, much, but I still care. <laughs> yeah, I haven't put much thought into it, Kelly, but when I look at your paper and you have those three points that make something a bowling. Yeah. Obviously, yes, by that alone, you are right. Yeah. I, and I, again, I'm not the one who d defines it. I mean, you're definitely, right. it definitely looks like a bowling. Uh, and I'm, 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 you know, just taking information from that Gomers paper. But um, one thing I have been able to do that's really weird. Uh, if you only load one side of the bowling, like, you know, the, the tail side again, and pull on that forward facing bite, like you can pull the standing end through that knot like every single time it's like it's a it's a party trick for like you know the five people who care about it but it's <laughs> it, it is really interesting the way that knot loads uh and actually we just had a class where i work somebody loaded a it might have been a portuguese kind of funky and uh man it just kept extending outward <laughs> until it sought its uh equalization and that was uh again a real eye-opener for guys so or you know bowling on a coil whatever you want to call it um that one in particular, I think we, I think it definitely needs more looking at that bowling on a coil, uh, uh, weirds me out. So, um, again, maybe, maybe something to look at in, in the, uh, in the future. Uh, but the fact that those, you know, loading a forward facing bite is like, I don't know, one, not quite, not quite one and a half times stronger, maybe pretty close to the unknotted breaking strength of the rope. Super, uh, super interesting result to me. Like I, I had no idea where it was going to go. Used it a bunch, hung on it a bunch, but holy cow. If, uh, 
if if it would have broken it, you know, half of the strength, I'd I'd have been crying my eyes out because I've taught that stuff to a lot of people, you know. So, uh, all right, that, the, are Boland safe enough for rope rescue? <sighs> Leroy's exact words when we talked about it were, "I don't care." Uh, last week, but <laughs> I think you care a little. You've, well, I no, you've said I, enough I, to care a little. Well, here's the thing: I whatever organizationally, I think it does come down to an organizational or a personal decision, right? Sure, yeah. And as long as people, and, and it's no different than the T versus G argument, or I use this for that, or whatever. It comes down to to me; it's a personal preference, right? And as long as as long as everybody knows, understands, looks at it, it's tied correctly. Yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of know your equipment and how to use it and then know what its limitations are at the same time and then sure. apply appropriately. It, uh, I agree. And, and interestingly that, uh, boy, I forget how many years ago it was. I took a class with uh, uh, Kirk Mothner and he said pretty much the same thing. Like, you know, I said, hey, are, you, are you cool with the bowl? And he's like, I yeah, I'm fine with it. Like, is everybody on your team fine with it? Like, if you tied that, would everybody on your team know what you're what you've tied? Uh, and you know, I lied and told them yes, but no, I, didn't. I said no, probably not. Most of the guys wouldn't know. Like, I, don't, can, I don't. I don't think in most cases. Obviously, it depends on the team. But you know, mm-hmm. thinking to you know current current crop of trainees or more re- more recent people that we've trained. Because, you know, at CMC, we're not teaching Bolins. Right. You know, it comes up sometimes if somebody asks, we talk about it. But if somebody were to tie a Bolin um, in a class because, you know, they knew it from before, yeah. I'm sure that many of the students in the class wouldn't know it. And then taking that further, um, even in more advanced class or more experienced rescuers, if all they've been taught is this is what we always tie – and it's a figure eight, and this is the reason why. I'm not sure they'd know, or if they knew, would be comfortable with the bowling. Matt, maybe not, but I mean, for me, I always thought that I enjoyed taking other classes and seeing that perspective. Otherwise, you know, like I, I was, I was excited when I learned the bowling because all I had ever did know was the eight. So, like, I can see the, I can see the benefit of, um, you know, uh, tying an eight so everybody knows it. I can also see the the tremendous benefit of teaching people the bowling just cause it, it, it might be new to them and you know, you got to up your level at some point. So, I mean, I'm a- I, I think this is where testing comes in, right? I mean, if you've yeah. done testing and this is where I think in my opinion, where standardized testing is a big deal. Yeah. Right. So I can do my results in my garage or my testing in my garage and come up with what you did by using sure. the same speed ramps and all that kind of stuff. That's where it truly matters. And if you have vetted that stuff, sure. And your organization is comfortable with it. I say go with it. Now, you know what? That's that. That's a good point. And and I think that's. I mean, we re- we've referenced Eiders a bunch on previous podcasts and this one. But man, like j- j- the fact that people are out there at least attempting to validate what they're looking at and doing is, is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, but Bolins was it for me. And and I, I think uh, yeah, like I'm definitely comfortable with some of them. I definitely yeah, have and, questions and again, about so it. As long as they're validating validating against a fixed standard sure yeah reproducible standard not just something well here is how i did it here is my criteria it's like no it needs to be standardized so that the industry as a whole can measure like for like i I agree and i I think uh you know for me i i didn't i didn't give the feet per minute of my ram pulling for my cyclic load because i just don't know it um but you know i think there needs to be a test for that like i i think that would be 
you know, or well, maybe there doesn't, but, uh, you know, why, why is there not a cyclic load test? If we say things like, you know, this knot is bad because if you load it a bunch, it's, it'll pull through then, you know, same thing with webbing, you know, why is there not a cyclic load test? Maybe we just don't need another test, but that one seems a pretty obvious one to me or, you know, the security test, like how many times can you shake a bowling and, you know, X, Y, Z rope until it falls out versus an eight, you know, why is there no test for that? So, uh, well, and, and, and if you think back, um, and this kind of goes back to John, the test that we had done with, um, Mike Kuhlmeyer. Yeah. That cyclic loading on, um, over that 90 degree edge with the test masses that we selected were based on NFPA. Right. Um, for those cyclic tests. And I mean, the results were surprising, I think, um, pretty much across the board. Um, was that for and, the escape, uh, the escape stuff or just, rope no, that was, oh. it was actually rope testing over an edge. What we were really trying to test was the edge protection, but yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, it, and if you think to like a, and those that are listening to the podcast who have never been to a class will never get this reference, but it's a Tuesday rig. Okay. Okay. So you've got your high point rigged up on a separate rope to two independent anchors, your double loop figure eight, you know, hanging over the edge. Sure. That your high point change of direction pulleys are hanging off of, and then cyclic loading that that um, segment of rope. Yep. Because my concern was and always is whether a guy be ascending. Um, yeah. And you take a look at somebody ascending, uh, and I'll pick you, a slightly gravitationally enhanced individual. How dare you? Um, <laughs> take a bite of my cheeseburger. Uh, <laughs> Swallow that angle. Um, <coughs> But if you're anchored on a roof, and it's say, then that segment of, of rope sure. is hanging down off over that 90-degree edge as you're working your way up, whether it be over an I-beam with some edge pro or yep. over an edge of a building, whatever the flavor of the day is. Sure. Um, and then when you think about a Tuesday, you know, that cyclic loading over and over and over and over on that same two inches of rope. Sure, yeah. What impact does that actually have on the rope strength? Um and we found out that edge protection mattered. Uh, yeah. We found we did find that old retired fire hose actually made it stronger, um, nice. stronger than strong. Did now, if you talk to Kuhlmeyer, who was an engineer, it was within the standard deviation, and he got kind of spun up when I said, "Look, it makes it stronger." And he goes, "No, it's within the standard deviation. It doesn't have any effect." I go, "No, dude, compare it to this. It does matter. Yeah, it yeah. made it stronger." And he's I mean, like. You're missing the point. Yeah. <laughs> the point was is it was actually really good edge protection, whereas some of the mm -hmm. other things like uh, a couple of layers of Cordura, like somebody put in a rope bag and stuff, really weren't very effective. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the ultimate feel good, right? Like, oh, shoot, just shove a rope bag under there. We'll be fine. Yeah. Probably not. So. Yeah. It's, it's emotional comfort more than anything, I suppose, huh? Yeah, and it wound up being that was actually worse because you had a feel good that yeah, it's going to work. Yeah, and yeah. after I think ten cycles, it just ate right through the rope. Yeah, it, it's uh, the edge caused the failure. I mean, it chewed through the edge pro in like three cycles. Yeah, I, I can believe that uh, for sure. So I mean, to to have a, a cyclic load test, be it for a knot or for an edge, there might be an edge one out there. I don't know, but uh, a cyclic load test would be interesting for me. Like I don't know what the you know what the standard is i mean really for rescue that like an actual rescue you know what is the cycle you know 
maybe two times, right? Like you're going to well, run over the edge, hit the ground, and come back up, right? That that was it, because this was a problem that occurs either, like Leroy had mentioned earlier, the Tom Moyer testing of the webbing and the water knot, where the webbing was a, an anchor and the guy was uh, sending the rope, so it was kind of, it always had a load on it, but as the is as, as the climber jugged up the rope, if you will, sure. it it was it was kind of surging on the anchor, yep. or that was a supposition, and uh, we really wanted to do the edge testing uh, more for training purposes yeah. than for real life rescues mm -hmm. because, like you said. How many cycles are you going to do in a real rescue? You know, maybe one, maybe two. Right, sure. And that's it. Whereas in training, we might be doing a couple dozen cycles. Yep. Um, and that's where the problems had come up in the past where we had sawn through ropes and things like that. Cool. That's, uh, yeah, well, I think uh, in my spare time, I'll develop a cyclic load test and put it out for the world. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you, want to, if you want to write a test, be my guest, it's like, like we talked about the load that Tom put on, he goes, okay, well, you know, the, the machine had a setting for 250 pounds or, or whatever the, the reason was, I don't remember sure. why he chose that, but, um, you know, he did. And, and, and we went with the NFPA load test and, and, you know, we, we just cycled it back and forth cause it was easy to build with the hydraulics and, sure. um, you know, the rope didn't go that far each time, but it didn't need to because all it was, was indicating that, rope was shifting or doing some slide elongation or something when it was loaded. That nah, makes, uh, makes total sense. Uh, cool. Well, I, I think, uh, the answer to our Boland safe enough for rope rescue are probably is probably. So, uh, you know, I'm comfortable with them. I use them, you know, often, uh, for anchors and the end of the rope. I, it, but I think it really is, uh, dependent on your, team and the, the training that you're doing, uh, you know, to, see if it's, if, if it's good enough for your team, if one guy's tying Bolins and the rest are tying eights, then that's, that's bad news. <laughs> so I think, you, yeah, you all have to be on the same page. Like, uh, like Wayne mentioned. So, uh, they're definitely strong enough. Uh, you know, do they res result in, uh, or, uh, have a bad cycle, you know, cyclic loading? I don't think so. But they can be mistied. I did some testing. Even when they're mistied, I don't think the testing I did, even mistied, they were still plenty strong and they didn't collapse into nothingness. So uh, I don't know. It's it's leave it out there for the world to uh, to judge. I know uh, as an organization, like as the rescue school, like we only teach the bowling on a coil pretty much. Um, and I mean – that's just years of experience talking there. Is that, I mean, that'd be the general thought. Yeah. 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 Well, and I it's not even is... a traditional bowling on a coil either. The traditional bowling on the coil was literally several wraps of rope around your chest as a belay. And, uh, we're kind of doing a bastardization of that when we're using it as a tagline or uh, as an anchor. It's uh, the same knot, but it's not really the same as a coil. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, it, it, it is more, Portuguese-ish, Portuguesey. I don't know. Uh, so why do we call it the bowling on a coil then? Um, the first person that started doing it called it that, and nobody else uh, cared enough to find something else, and it stuck. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a lot of things get named. The first guy names it, nobody changes it. <laughs> I care now, but no, we, we changed this. We changed scaffold, not the poachers, not right. Like uh, yeah, yeah, we like, did. 
I don't know what it is when you tie it that way. Is it, 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 you know, if you looked at it right close to the bowling part, it's really, it's the same as a bowling on a coil other than that there's one strand going through, but, um, I don't know. All right. Uh, I sense a lot of fighting coming up at the instructors. Okay. I know somebody that can, can give you an opinion on that, but he won't, you know, no. he's, probably, he's going to be listening to this podcast. I assure you. Okay. Uh, I, I'm, uh, I don't get it. No, the, <laughs> I get it. The, uh, no, I mean, I, I would, uh, I would argue that it's a Portuguese bowling, but, uh, I mean, we can call it a bowling on a quill just to be different. But uh, most of the students I've come across call it a Portuguese bowling if if they're if they're savvy with their knots. Sure. Say, hey, that's a Portuguese bowling. Yep. Yeah. Uh, um, I still uh, tend to default to that because that's what I learned it as. And well, let's make a quick decision. We're about ready to print a rope rescue manual again. Oh hell, that's Portuguese bowling, man. That's, that's a non. <laughs> that's a non uh, for me. But, uh, hey, we got four hundred changes. What's four hundred and two? Right? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and the other, I guess, the other thing is, is that what does Ashley's book of knots say? Because that is the go-to. It, it is. It, it, yes, I don't have mine uh, in front of me. I do have one. I can't reach mine with my headset on, but huh. I, I, I will if you right want there. to. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I am, yeah, I'm, I'm darn sure. Yeah, get it out, John. Go, go reach for it. It's probably. Well, I know, yeah, I know, Kelly, that you referenced Ashley's in your paper as it. Uh, like it's in the not 1010. 1010 is the boat, like what you would call a standard bowling, just the regular yeah. old bowling. What you put is while, while it is indeed a bowling, it is not the bowling. Oh, okay, right. And that's straight out of that Mark Gommers paper. Like he was yes. very. Uh, uh, insistent that uh bolins are a family and not just that one so um but yeah i, I thought i'd like eh, maybe i thought i labeled the portuguese with a uh with a, a number as well but i i'm not seeing it uh it's definitely not my presentation uh, i don't know whether it's in my paper or not i, I mean you know you've seen variations inside bowl and outside bowl and all these other sure you know, other the, things yeah tr true enough a lot of those have numbers too like you know that outside bowling is yep. You know, I call it an outside bowling. I think it's called a cowboy bowling, and there's another name for it in, in Ashley's mm -hmm. too, but I, I don't know it. But uh, I, I'm about 98% sure that uh, that bowling on a coil that we teach is actually a Portuguese bowling. Again, does, yeah. does it matter? You know, does the name matter? Yeah, maybe a little. But Yeah, uh, if you, I mean, if you're a purist, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, th I think uh, – I. I'm not, I don't know if purist uh, suits me, but I, like I, I'm pretty darn close, I think, on on that. But only because I looked at it a bunch. Um, cool. All right. Well, I think that's. Uh, I, th I think that will cover it for Bolins. I, th I think the answer is maybe. So for your team, it's uh could be safe enough. It's like they're definitely safe enough. If everybody can tie it and spot it, they're definitely safe enough. Uh, strength wise, um, and if you you got to put a safety on them, probably. Uh, to make them secure, but um, yeah. Aside from the Portuguese, like I'm, I'm uh, for me. Aside from that Portuguese, I'm, I'm in on them. Portuguese. I think we need to do some looking. But well, uh, I'm looking. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. All right. Well, let's. Uh, All right. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Ashley's, and um, they show it as uh, what, what I, I learned is, it, it's not ever as a climber, but from a climbers, as a bowling on a coil. And then they have the variation of that, which is what we're tying around a litter. Yeah. And um, 
it, it's uh, it just says that the, the the loops are splayed instead of being parallel, and it doesn't give it a new name. So interesting. All right. Um, it 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 calls it out as you know right at, along with uh, the Portuguese bolin and some other things. So okay, cool. Well then, uh, boy, I guess uh, I'll hustle up and do some research before the the new uh, manual comes out. So, uh, cool. Thanks for looking that up. I should have had my book here. Uh, that's right. I thought I had it all in my head, but uh, apparently not. Uh, cool. Well, I, I guess that's, well, uh, you're right. Is oh. what, what I'm saying is, yeah. is that, uh, you know, what, what you're thinking is, is, is correct. It shows it that way in a couple of different places. So, okay. Uh, I mean, my, uh, then my vote is to, uh, to change it in the upcoming manual. So yeah. And just uh, for kicks and giggles, I'll see if there's bowling on a coil in here. They may, may come up something else or something different but yeah the the bowling on a coil i always learned is like you know three loops around like you did it around your waist and then pulled you know one loop down under you like a bosun's chair and then two around your waist but it it looks similar it was just it was an actual coil like you you know looped around three times before you did your yeah well that was what we did it was it was three times around your chest and that was your belay and the idea was and that it was a wider uh, points of contact around your body and it, and it didn't cinch down on you. But, um, Uh, yeah, yeah. I learned it around the waist and you pull like, you know, one down below your legs as a seat and two acted as a a waist strap, but it it was definitely a coiled rope. Like it wasn't, uh, you know, just a single strand around two anchors. So yeah, well, Um, in Ashley's index, it doesn't, it doesn't even call out a bullet on a coil. So, oh, interesting. All right. Well, I'm going to have to go back and hit my Ashley's, uh, uh, you know, I'll, I'll eat dinner later, honey. I'm going to look at Ashley's <laughs> right now. <laughs> Got things to do. Um, all right. Uh, cool. I, I think, uh, yeah, are bowling safe enough for rope rescue? Uh, the short answer is yes. The slightly longer answer is maybe. Uh, and please refer to the previous 45 minutes discussing it, uh, which is probably about uh, 42 minutes longer than uh, uh, a couple of us on here thought it might go. But uh, here we are at 45 and a half minutes discussing the bowl one so uh cool i appreciate it and we'll uh, we'll catch you guys on the next one thanks, right, that's good. Sounds thanks, good. thanks kelly yep